Avondale, Children of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, The Marketech Samuel Plan, The Devil's Advocate Shinobi, The Lunatic King Maverick, and Single Syllable Mother, The Right Side of the Pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! So, Lords of Pain, and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday, and it's Royal Rumble weekend. The most exciting weekend of the year. Although, you know, for a couple of years, it was more like uh, the, the most frightening weekend of the year. Um, I think after, after last year, perhaps, we can once again look at our favourite pay-per-view and... Uh, and expect great things. So uh, in the next hour or so, we're going to take a look at the card, uh, do our usual breakdown of everything that's going on, and um, and yeah, have fun with it, because yeah, Pal and I are both huge Rumble guys, so uh, this is this is always a fun time for us. Absolutely. Best weekend of the year. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm off work now for a week, uh, so I get to sit back and just sort of chill out and uh, lean into Rumble weekend. We've got TakeOver as well, of course, and then uh, to now now the two annual Royal Rumble matches. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting because obviously these these four-hour pay-per-views, uh, I, I, do, I find them rough, really, and I think although having the women's Rumble match, it means the four hours is justified, um, I, I, yeah, it's still it's still one of those things where I, I think like you know a tight three hours would be better. It's like all these title matches. Do you need all of them on there? Like it's it's one of those things. We can get into that. Um, I mean, what I will say up front is I I mean you know I I fully agree with you. We're both opposed to four hour pay per views outside of of wrestlement. <clears throat> Excuse me, outside of WrestleMania, and I think even WrestleMania would benefit from not being four hours, but uh having said that you know i think the card we're looking at this year is um a modern you know age of excess equivalent to something we haven't seen what all something i feel hasn't been invoked for a very long time which is a royal rumble pay-per-view with actually a, a pretty substantial uh, undercard to it because it felt like we went through the better part of a decade sort of getting maybe three title matches in a royal rumble and that would be the royal rumble pay-per-view and i think that there was a magic missing um, when they didn't have that robust undercard to it. In fact, a few years back, I wrote, I think I wrote a pair of columns about that very, that very aspect. And I used 95 as a great example of how a good undercard combined with a, a Royal Rumble that's totally appropriate to the undercard can create a better show all around. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree on that. I mean, I think yeah. the brand extension the first time around was what led to that sort of... Um, totally. Uh, yeah, that sort of thing where you had look, the world title matches... And then it was kind of into the rumble. I mean, it, there's a balance to be struck, isn't there? I mean, I, there, I, is. there is an awful lot of title matches on here. Um, I, you know, but like I think what was nice about the old undercards, it was like, you know, you often didn't even get um, a WWF title match. You know, you got, especially in the early days, you know, what you got was a lot of undercard story stuff. Um, and I think that's probably what's missing. But of course, they've got all these damn titles and they feel like they have to put them on the show. So there we are. Um, all right, let's look at the pre-show first of all then. Um, so we've got Rusev against Shinsuke Nakamura um, for the US Championship. So obviously they've done this 
thing where you know they're doing TV as anything can happen and lots of title shots and uh, over Christmas um, Rusev um, won the title from Nakamura and then Nakamura's been kind of playing his mind games by um, basically uh, uh, yeah, bothering Lana essentially and then Rusev is kind of the uh, I guess he's in the Randy Savage role <laughs> in this in, in what sense sorry you know, you know, like the whole, uh, you know, Randy and Liz uh, dynamic. Ah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's not. I mean, I've not really got much to offer on on this one, to be honest. It's, um, you know, I mean, Nakamura. <laughs> if you want to see all the good AJ Styles title reign, did you're talking about someone who won the Royal Rumble last year and is on the pre-show this year? I mean, if you know, if that's not a sign of the toxicity of WWE product this last year and the importance of of uh, this year, them using this platform now to solidify what they've been saying for a few weeks as being more than just smoke and mirrors than, than I guess, Nakamura's uh, tumble down the, the rumble card year to year uh, would be proof. Of course, Nakamura was number 14 last year, and as you know, Mav, number 14 is cursed. Oh, God, this again. <laughs> the curse strikes again. But yeah, it's, it's you know, whatever. I mean, it's yeah. kind of my thoughts on it. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not. The thing is, the whole Rusev Day thing, it's one of those things that people, you know, good for Rusev that people kind of latched onto it, but it's one of those things that really doesn't do anything, you know, like the, the Ms. Dow thing and, and stuff like that. Even to a certain degree, the swell in popularity that Becky's enjoyed over the last half a year, you know, it's that those kind of. Uh, sudden phenomena in 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 pro wrestling often don't capture me the same way they capture a lot of other people well i mean i think the thing was is that last year they got rusev dead right in the the rumble itself you know he came out um he came out first and and he got to do his whole rusev day thing uh the crowd were you know were really into it he had that really cool first two with bala um and he was like a prominent you know a prominent fixture in the early part of that rumble match. So, and, I, and I think that's, that's how you use, you know, Rusev effectively. Now, I, I think the problem they've got here is they booked this match and then they realized they had 93 things in the card. And so it ends up in the pre-show, which is what always happens. And it's a bit like, if you just booked, you know, like a two month US title feud between Rusev Nakamura and culminated it at, you know, fast lane instead is it Fastlane the next one or Chamber? I can't remember. I think Chamber's next Chamber's and then next. So if, if you culminated it there, then you don't have to, like, you know, tuck it away on the pre-show. You could have just well, kept this simmering. I think that the, the thing is, I you know, I don't think WWE book a load of stuff, then go, oh, we need to move something to the pre-show. I think they very, are very much aware all along what they're going to have on the pre-show. They book it as part of the main card so they can then sell it. And then they go, oh, yeah, but that's on the pre-show, so you're going to want to watch that as well. And then you know they get the network subscribers and, and all the rest of it. I, I do think it's, it's preordained, but I agree with you, especially with the Rumble, because the Rumble is a format that lends itself to extending existing feuds in the easiest fashion. Right, you just have them run into each other in a rumble. Exactly, they did like, it with Matt Hardy and, that, and Bray Wyatt last year. Precisely, like that's that's it's so easy to do with the Royal Rumble, um, and and particularly frustrating if they don't do it because then you've got to find a way to then extend it further for another one, maybe even two, maybe even three pay per views, which they often try and do and and fail in doing. So, um, you know, I mean, the February pay per views just need to just be scrapped altogether, as you and I have been saying for many years now. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, 
the the pre-show argument is one I've had many times with many people. I always watch them. Uh, The discussions are mind-numbingly generic. Uh, But every now and then, and it's not always, but every now and then you do get a genuine in-ring gem on those pre-shows. So you never know. I mean, they may... You know, they may pull something out. Well, that TV match was was really, really good. Um, I, I just, I've got a problem. I mean, I guess the problem with it is maybe if if you're in the States, right, and, and, and this pre-show's airing at, like, 6 p.m., then, like, great. Like, you know, knock yourself out with some good pre-show matches. But I'm not going to come home from work on a Monday night when I've got to watch a four-hour pay-per-view and go, you know what, I'll start with this. I'll, I'll start. I'll start with this two-hour pre-show first. Like it's not going to happen. So that's the shame of it to me is that you know there there are often good matches on there, but you know um, WrestleMania aside, I, I really often won't get to see them. But but anyway, I think um, who do you think to win here? I would think Rusev. Rusev to retain. Yeah, I think so. Okay, um, let's see what we got next okay so we got the cruiserweight championship match now obviously 205 live is still kind of uh, trying to fill the mustafa ali shaped hole that exists within it now uh, so you've got akira tozawa hideo itami and callisto taking on buddy murphy in a fatal four-way um yeah i mean uh, always pleased to see hideo itami wrestle in, in any context really and i'm a big fan of tozawa as well Callisto, I mean, he just needs to go away. But but uh, but nevertheless, as, as the cruiserweight division always does, I'm pretty sure this will deliver. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you know, I, it's what's very what's particularly interesting about this one to me is that you have Itami and you have Buddy Murphy in there, um, and the two of them. I mean, I haven't been able to to quite keep up with 205 Live recently but from stuff I've sort of uh, seen at a distance it looks like they've had a, a little bit of tension between the two of them so you get that great you know I mean you know I'm a big fan of, of heel versus heel and the potential that I think that uh, vein of resource has for pro wrestling if it ever got tapped into uh, and this is an example you know because Itami is a guy who's you know if you're bigger or stronger than him he doesn't care he's not you know he, he's a firebrand he's got this fiery volcanic temper he wants people to respect him um, and, uh, you know, seeing how that then interacts with Buddy Murphy in particular as the champion, I think is, is, is quite tantalizing. Uh, Buddy Murphy, is he the right guy? I don't think he is in the same way Cedric Alexander wasn't, um, Ali isn't there anymore. So it's really kind of a race as well to see who's going to be the first guy to get to that point that Ali got to in terms of anchoring that show and being the attraction on that show. Um, and so one wonders, you know, whether or not you're going to see that translate into a sort of competitive um, environment in the locker room and, and in the performances in the ring and stuff. But, you know, I imagine this will be, uh, you know, 205-101, for lack of a better, uh, more elegant expression, in terms of, you know, it'll be whiz-bang, fast action, you know, lots going on. I wouldn't expect anyone other than Buddy Murphy to, to win here, though, honestly. As much as I want Hideo Itami to, to become the guy on 205 Live, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think Murphy probably going to retain. They, they really seem to be building up this title reign, don't they? That's a, it's been a really big deal. And if they never, I mean, if they never had Ali take it off him, then why would they have anybody else take it off him? Frankly, well, quite. Um, yeah. So, yes, um, yeah, I'm sure it'd be a good, a, a good match, good addition to the card. You know, I think it, they missed the trick here because they should have stuck that as the curtain jerk of the main card and put something else in the pre-show for me. But never mind. 
Yeah, like the bar versus the Miz and Shane McMahon. <laughs> oh, God. Right, let's segue into that nonsense then. Now, now I find this, like, the most distressing yeah. angle in, I don't know, like, I was going to say pro wrestling history. That might be overstretching it a little. But, but I mean, like, World Cup winner, best in the world, Shane, teaming up with a kind of turning face kind of Miz. Oh. With a... Uh, you know, them forming a kind of tag team which based around the sort of bizarre, like, going to Vince and saying, can Shane come out and play like like they're kind of, you know, 12-year-old kids. The whole thing is just, like, nobody wants to see it. And if it's leading to Shane v. Miz at WrestleMania, like, no one wants to see that either. Um, and if it's leading to them being a long-term tag team, God help us. No one wants to see that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's because it's Shane McMahon. No one wants to see Shane McMahon in this kind of a position, you know, and he's, he's, it kills me a little bit to have to sit and discuss it. So I'll try and keep it short. But like you say, no one really wants to see it. Miz, uh, you would think at this point has proven more than enough that he deserves better. Uh, and the bar certainly deserved better. Uh, the Rumble as a pay-per-view deserves better. The SmackDown titles deserve better. Uh, but, of course, it's the boss's son, so it's an honour to be in this position for them all, which is just beyond ridiculous. And I'm sure we'll see Shane McMahon be presented and produced in a manner that makes him appear considerably superior to what we're supposed to believe are the one of the single best tag teams on the planet, who are one of the single best tag teams on the planet for that matter. And we'll get the usual coast to coast and we'll get the usual elbow drop through the table and the same tricks that Shane McMahon always does. And I'm sure the crowd will pop for it like they always do. And it'll all be very rinse and repeat and kind of dull and hopefully short. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we, we can move past this. Like you say, it feels almost inevitable that they will head towards Shane and the Miz at WrestleMania, which is just so such a bad idea. Oh, it's a horrible idea. It almost idea. makes me want to not watch WrestleMania, full stop. It's that awful. Um, uh, but but yeah, it's a it, load of rubbish. Uh, it's a black mark on what otherwise looks to be a promising show, and we can only hope that it doesn't take up too much time. No, quite. I mean, you know, it's... One of those things where I think when they decided that they were going to change things up and go with this new era thing, it must have been that because they had this plan, this, this was like the one thing when they were like, no, that stays. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, that, you know, they put, I don't know, I, I, I use the term creative loosely, some creative effort into, into beginning the angle. And they were like, nope, going to go through it. Uh, gonna go through it right now um so yeah i mean i can only hope that it, it, they, they think again before wrestlemania because this is not gonna work out well but um hopefully the bar will retain and that's somehow how this tension between miz and shane happens i don't think i can stomach the miz and shane winning the thing no yeah i i agree entirely so fingers crossed for that outcome um, all right, let's take a look at the uh, let's take a look at the Raw Women's Championship first of all. So we've got uh, Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks. Now um, Sasha Banks has been essentially buried twenty feet below the earth for the, the past year, um, and so I'm glad to see them remember that they have a uh, a talented uh, a talented performer in in their division. 
And, you know, I think given the short length of the bills, they've done okay in rehabilitating her, you know, having her, you know, beat beat Nia Jax in the uh, Eliminator to get into the match. And she's, you know, and I think, you know, Sasha has started to to go a little bit tweener with her interactions with Ronda Rousey, which I think is the right way to go because, you know, Sasha is always more interesting when she's, essentially when she's a bitch. Um, so, yeah, it might be, might be promising signs. What, what I do find interesting is essentially with Ronda Rousey, they seem to have fallen into something we always preach, which is Chandra of the Month. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think it served her well. And I think it's actually served the Raw Women's uh, scene well. Um, when you think back to how it felt sort of at the turn of 2016, 2017, when it felt like it was just Charlotte, Sasha and Bailey on a constant rotation forever uh, and that there wasn't really anyone else there. Uh, and I remember people, you know, quite rightly kind of being fed up with that at the time. Uh, and it's and it's, you know, if uh, if they just did something, I mean, it's worked well as well with Seth when he was IC champion. Uh, you know, that was a, a mark of that title reign, at least up until maybe around the summer. Uh, when he kind of got into a more prolonged program with with Drew and Dolph, but for the spring he was ch- very much in charge of the month territory. Ronda in charge of the month territory, and, and it works brilliantly well. And I actually think they may have missed a trick, because one of the things I loved Seth's IC title reign so much for was early on it was almost challenger of the fortnight, in that you got these, and I wrote combat at the time, you got these sort of cool little sort of two week programs where you spent a week building up kind of like a very slim little storyline that nonetheless provided a bit of reason and platform for the title match that then happened the next week, which would always exceed expectations. Um, and while Ronda obviously doesn't have the, maybe the, the chops that a Seth Rollins or someone like that does because of her relative inexperience in, in a wrestling ring, I think it would have served her very well to have even more variety than she's had in terms of opponents, because it feels very much like it's been challenger of the month. But she's ultimately on pay-per-view only wrestled Alexa, Nia, and now Sasha. Um, oh, and Charlotte as well, of course. Um, having said all of that, you know it's a fresh opponent. It's uh, allowed Sasha to remind people of her of her chops as a character performer, which is always very welcome, which is something she did in, in last year's Royal Rumble as well. Um, I mean, a performance in last year's Royal Rumble match, especially when it got down to like the last four, and she did like a confrontation with with Trish Stratus and stuff. It was it was like a, a such a breath of fresh air to see that version of Sasha Banks again. Then she carried it through the next night with a great match against Asuka. Hopefully, this gives her a platform to do that, and maybe WWE kind of open their eyes a little bit uh, and and remember that oh, actually Sasha is is pretty damn talented, and so is Bailey, and maybe we're wasting them in this endless kind of on again, off again sort of, but not really rivalry that we have with them. Um, though you would think that they're headed towards Sasha and Bailey are headed towards those tag team championships and that awful idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a fun match. What I find interesting from a sort of more real world perspective is I remember reading an interview some months back where Ronda Rousey was talking about how she considered Sasha Banks as like the next level of performer that she wanted, that she wasn't quite on that level yet, but she wanted to get there. So it's going to be interesting seeing the kind of match they put together in lieu of that and whether Ronda is able to keep up with someone she considers to be, uh, you know, one of the best female performers. Yeah, I, I think I just I just just I just hope they don't go, oh, well, look at what's been working for Charlotte and Becky and just basically do that, because that would kind of depress me a little bit. Yeah, it'd be a retry, wouldn't it? I, I think. I think what's interesting is that Rouse's opponents up to now, you know, like Natalia, Power, Nia Jax, Power, 
Alexa mm. Bliss, I guess that's the anomaly, but but they kind of obviously went with a kind of more story-based match for that way, where it's essentially like revenge squash. Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they, how they book it, because, you know, Sasha Banks is kind of, I guess she's the female division equivalent of your your Eddie Guerreros and your and your Chris Benoit's and stuff. You know, it's like she's she's kind of you know she she's wants not to be. she's not high she's not a high flyer as such, but you know she's but she's kind of she's not exactly she's not exactly kind of like pure technical wrestler like Natalia is or whatever. Um, it, it's like you know she's scrappy. She's she's kind of you know she's opportunistic. So yeah, I mean Ronda hasn't really been in with someone like somebody quite like that, at least not kind of Sasha at her her peak. So it'd be interesting to see how they go about it. I imagine that like all of Ronda's ma- matches, I I don't imagine that they'll they'll keep it like super long, especially as they've got two rumbles to get through. Um, but yeah, I think just as long as Sasha gets a good competitive showing in, and you know, and then like you say, she'll be on the way to to, to wrestle in the chamber alongside Bailey. Um, you know, we can talk about that when it gets there, but obviously I, I hope her and Bailey don't want those belts because, you know, I just want them to, to, to kind of stop this nonsense and, and have a feud, you know, because that's really what that Raw Division needs is a story, which is what they don't have. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they've kind of they've kind of gone, we need to do something with all these women other than these title feuds. Um, should we have some story? now? Nah, let's just add some more championships. Um, and that's that's what frustrates. That's why I said it was a bad idea because it just frustrates me. You know, it doesn't solve anything. It's just adding a shiny new bauble onto a dying tree. Um, and uh, you know, instead of giving the tree some water, uh, they just try and make it look a bit shinier. Um, so I'm I'm kind of cynical about that whole situation. Like you say, we'll talk about it when it gets here. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the type of performer that Sasha. I mean, I I. I live in in deathly fear of how she may end up trying to kill herself this time in the <laughs> ring uh, by doing something that she's she's probably not quite able to pull off as well as she might want to. Sasha, that is, uh, especially against someone with with like I say that relative inexperience of, of a Ronda. But it'll at least allow Ronda to maybe stretch some athletic muscle uh, in a way that that perhaps the matches up to now, as you say, which have all been kind of um, almost in one vein, haven't allowed her to do. So interesting times. Though I don't think there's any chance in hell Sasha's winning. No, I don't either. I mean, well, the rumours come out today, of course, that Ronda Rousey is leaving um, as uh, as soon as WrestleMania finishes. That's that's what's kind of come out today. Now I don't know how true that is. I mean, it, it's. I mean, I just saw a, a good tweet from uh, from Hustle uh, X of, of LAP saying um, that you know you could be on for a less than 2004 crowd reaction. Um, if it is her, if it gets out that WrestleMania is her last night when she's wrestling as the champion, um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think. think the the, the close comparison would be less than two, uh, well, not quite less than two thousand fifteen, I guess. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, mm, there's something to look out for there. But but yeah, I think I think you know Ronda will win and she'll go on to uh, to whatever's next, um, and then I, I suppose come WrestleMania that they, they might even do something cross brand if they're going to bring in Becky and Charlotte. I mean, I guess well, we can talk about the rumble in a minute, can't we? Um, okay. So let's look at the other uh, women's title match, which of course is Asuka versus Becky Lynch. Now I said when they booked this, 
I thought that they'd missed the trick by putting Becky in the match and not Charlotte. Now, of course, I don't know what their long-term booking plan is, but I'd much rather send Charlotte in this spot and uh, and Asuka um, facing uh, you know facing her and then Becky Lynch in the Rumble, um, just because if if the end game for Becky is kind of a big WrestleMania moment, then I you know like it doesn't seem to serve a lot of purpose to have her win the title here, but equally. You don't want it to kind of be too labyrinthine, you know, keep things simple, just have a winner rumble match. But I guess, I mean, I guess we'll kind of talk about that side of things a little bit more later on. But, but I mean, obviously, Asuka versus Becky Lynch, it's, it's going to be a, a really enjoyable wrestling match, which I suppose is the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Asuka is the better performer out of the two in the ring. Uh I look forward to maybe seeing something more akin to the Sasha Becky match from one of the earlier NXT takeovers, which I still think is a very, 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 very one of the best women's matches that we've had in a very long time. That nobody talks about. Certainly. Um, I agree with you. It's a bit odd to have Becky in this position. And like you say, it starts to get a little bit convoluted in terms of how you then arrive at what's rumored to be that Ronda Rousey destination at WrestleMania. It does seem like they're going to go, and, and kind of dilute it all with the triple threat with Charlotte as well, with Charlotte being in the Rumble. I really wouldn't be shocked if Becky, and I guess we'll talk about it later, like you say, if Becky ends up in the Rumble match and they go for a 94 finish with her and Charlotte, which would kind of be a bit drearily predictable to me. But um, yeah, I, the match, it's, I mean, there's not really much to it, is there? There's, it, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. If Asuka wasn't, because I'm a huge Asuka fan even now, I, I remain an Asuka fan, I'm glad she's the champion, I'm glad she's, she will hopefully maintain a platform to be able to once again demonstrate why she was, um, what she was in NXT. I'm kind of over the whole Becky Lynch thing, and I wasn't really kind of all that convinced by it to begin with, because I felt like it was sort of, uh, you know, another wrestling straw man thing where everyone, I think if, if that controversy around her turning heel at SummerSlam hadn't have happened this would have already petered out by now and I think you know obviously I predicted on our on our um, prediction show a couple of weeks back that by the end of the year it certainly will have petered out I'm just not convinced by it all you know the 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 kind of the constant motor mouth uh, sort of um, Twitter banter drives I mean I hate wrestling Twitter banter anyway I genuinely am a believer that I don't think you know wrestlers tweeting does anything to help anybody ultimately um, in this day and age particularly where you know the 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 so-called curtain has been pulled down so to speak um, I don't know it just hasn't it hasn't maybe it's the maybe it's my inner hipster sort of uh, flinching against something that's become wildly popular but what hasn't helped is when i did my end of year awards show on sports entertainment is dead i went back and i watched their match at at evolution that last woman standing match Uh, and it was it was really rough around the edges like it was it really wasn't very polished um uh, and i'm not sure it's as good as people remember it or have remembered it being uh, and and Becky's body language is really over the top and a bit and, and borderline comical at some at some points um and uh, yeah so all of these things have kind of been going through my head to the point where I, I've kind of turned cold to it all so it's I'll be totally honest with you it's difficult for me to be completely excited at the prospect of this particular match and my eye is more on as I imagine most people's are for different reasons is more on you know, what happens next rather than what's happening at the Royal Rumble. And that seems a shame for Asuka 
Uh, but ultimately, you know, the pressure's on Asuka to make sure she doesn't, she doesn't, because she's the champion now, so she's got no excuse. You know, you've got to stand out from the crowd, and this is her her opportunity to do so. So hopefully they'll put together a good match. Um, but I'm not quite as as uh, electrified by all of this as as I think the large majority of fans are. Which isn't to say that they shouldn't be, or that I think that there's no reason for them to be or anything like that. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, it's it's um. It's, it's an interesting one. I, I like the, the the Becky Lynch thing. I think like everything, you know, it, it, it's got blown out of proportion and 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 over egged. Like I enjoy, I enjoy the character on television. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm not bothered by. It. I mean, like you, I mean, very much like you. Like I think the social media aspect of it. Although anybody slapping down Corey Graves gets. An A plus, well, yeah, an, an, an A plus from that. me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole wrestlers tweeting thing, it, 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 I find it tiresome because obviously half the time they're tweeting out of kayfabe and half the time they're tweeting in kayfabe, and then you get nonsense like you know, um, you know, storylines like uh, Bray Wyatt deletes Twitter history and Bray Wyatt sends cryptic tweet and like all that stuff is just a bit silly. Now. Uh, yeah, now and again, you'll get an example where somebody does it well, like Drew McIntyre's one the other day, where it's like a picture of him with Vince being called like the chosen one in 2009 or whatever it was. And, and, and then him standing with Vincent Mann on Raw the other night. And I thought, all right, that, yeah, that's that's good. I enjoyed that. So it can work. But um, if, if it's just relentless, then, yeah, I'm not I'm not too into it. And, it, and with with Becky, I have found it to it, it, it to me it's felt relentless, and and so I've started to kind of get a bit. Um, it's I feel like it's all been overexposed, and what hasn't helped has been that I think that that WWE um, has uh, really kind of started to to like you say overegg it on TV um, in that way that they do. You know, when something kind of catches on. Um, Kind of like in the way that all of a sudden everybody has started to prefix every single mention of John Cena's name with the greatest of all time, John Cena. Um, you know, and they did it. I, I remember when Finn Balor first turned up on the main roster and, and it was always prefixed with the Demon King Finn Balor. You couldn't just say Finn. And so it's become one of those instances, I think, of A, you know, I, I've just gotten sick and tired of seeing the, the witty banter on Twitter all the time. Um, and, and B... Uh, the the WWE and and sort of the whole presentation of it and and it's all just started to feel a little much to me, a little much of a muchness, um, and so I think I've just I've kind of turned off because of that. What what also hasn't helped is I think that I you know I mentioned earlier this particular match doesn't seem to have much storyline behind it, and I think that's partly because WWE think that they're they're. It's easy. It's it's enough for them to just lean on the fact that Becky has gotten popular. Like, oh, Becky's popular. People will therefore care, so we don't have to try too hard. And that bothers me because, regardless of whether you know someone is is as hot as Stone Cold, um, you know, which is the the, the comparison that anyway, every it seems like everybody gets the minute they start to get popular. Um, you st- like as a fan, I still want story. I still want a good narrative. I still want a reason to to care. It's not enough for you to expect me to care just because somebody somebody's popular, you know. And I feel like the the whole thing just feels a little bit kind of vacuous to me, and and em- a little bit uh, empty and shiny surface. So it hasn't grabbed me. It hasn't engaged me. And I fully appreciate I'm in the minority, and I fully appreciate 
you know, that it's just a personal thing. Um, I'm not saying it's all been terrible. I'm not saying that character work's been terrible or anything like that. I'm just saying it's not for me. I'm sure the match will be great, but I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll be relieved when it's all sort of said and done and the whole thing's kind of just finished and we can just get on with getting on again. Yeah, and those that mean everything tends to, uh, you know, tends to settle down into what it should be um, eventually, you know, and I think yeah. what they do have on their hands, having done that, that, that kind of cool finish to the, to the Charlotte, um, yeah, to the Charlotte and Ronda match um, a Survivor Series, having had Asuka unexpectedly win that TLC match, um, and, and now kind of. Yeah, you've just got you've got a lot of moving parts. So I mean, in terms of shared universe, I'm kind of into it. I just uh, I, yeah, I, sure. I, I just I just I think maybe the devil's in the detail, and maybe the detail hasn't been um, quite as sharp as you might want it to be. But in terms of where it's heading, uh, I, I'm I'm intrigued. So yeah, I mean, there, there is there is one other issue with it all for me, which is that. It, and it's kind of it's funny you mentioned Bray Wyatt because obviously one of the big issues with him over the course of his career is people say you know he promises a lot of stuff then never follows through with it. Um, I feel like Becky's been making a lot of big grandiose claims, whether it's in character or not, that don't necessarily stand up to scrutiny. Like I remember a saying to, not too long ago that when she had the title, it was the hottest thing in wrestling. It was kind of like, well, no, it it wasn't. You could maybe argue you were, but it wasn't. And more to the point, you wrestled one match for the last two months of twenty you know 2018 so it's not like you were the most prolific performer either and granted that's because of injury or whatever but it's so there's been a sense of of hollowness to some of the claims she's making as she's been making as well and then if that becomes the pervasive fact then the whole act falls apart because the whole act uh, and what worked about the feud with charlotte was they took the time to substantiate that what becky was saying was true and so when that starts to fall apart you lose the you know you lose the the image that's inherent to this working ultimately so that's that's another issue but like you say you know uh, the shared universe stuff is great and there's stuff to like about it and it's cool that people are into it so um yeah great <laughs> 12 minute good 12 minute match i'm for that absolutely absolutely okay so let's look at so daniel bryan versus aj styles for the WWE championship um now as 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 uh, as we've said many times um you know, uh, enough, enough with AJ Styles already. Uh, but Daniel Bryan's character work in this feud has been exceptional, um, and his new character, uh, I'm really enjoying. Um, you know, I like I couldn't tell. <laughs> and um, and I just think, I just think like when he first came back, you know, it just didn't, it didn't feel right because it was sort of like a a watered down version of his babyface character. Even it was so blunt, there was just kind of nothing there beyond, you know, beyond his real life story of being able to come back. And now suddenly there's, there's a, there's a real pro wrestling character there again. And it's, and it's great. Like you forget how good he is when he's in that zone. Yeah. It's done him a world of good. It's done SmackDown live a world, a world of good as well. Uh, you know, rejuvenated that product somewhat. Um, like you say, enough with AJ Styles already. Um, the character, his character. I mean, it's it's night and day, isn't it? Daniel Bryan's character kind of emerged overnight and just suddenly became this compelling thing. Uh, AJ Styles hasn't had, doesn't feel like his character's developed for the better. Well, since 2016, quite honestly, since he since he first won the WWE title. Um, you know, his character is this is the house that AJ Styles built. Um, it's going to be 
pause phenomenal oh i see what he did there um it's it's you know yeah it's 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 a case of he wrestles great matches people love his matches so actually we don't need to worry about anything else um and it's and it's laziness again on the part of the writing or fecklessness or or whatever the case may be um and you know the the joe feud which i enjoyed and i enjoyed the nakamura feud for the most part but the 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 design of the narratives the design of the story was identical uh the the um AJ Styles' performances were, were practically identical. And I often find now that his matches... I mean, if I sit back and sort of try and think about, you know, some of his matches over the span of a certain... You know, over a certain span of time, they'll all start to bleed into one another, which isn't to say that I think he always wrestles the same match, but they are always very similar. Um, and, you know, he's he's not the kind of... Or I haven't seen him or felt him to be the kind of performer who's able to go out and tell you know, radically different types of story in the ring uh, in radically different ways, but for it to always be compelling. It feels like you you know what you're going to get when you get an AJ Styles match, which is a back-and-forth competitive thing. What's helped uh, is that Brian's character has become, you know, so so well for has emerged in such well-formed fashion. Um, I, do I, looking back at the matches they've had, do I wish that there was a little bit more of character carrying over to the action? I do a little bit, yeah. Um, I think if you, I mean, I've enjoyed all of their matches. I think the second TV match in particular was fantastic. Um, but again, they, you know, in, in my memory, they all feel very similar to one another. Um, hopefully, maybe at Royal Rumble, they could do something. And I, and I don't know how, you know, I mean, I'm not a wrestler, so I don't know how it's all done, but uh, something that just feels a little bit more unique to the situation, unique to the characters involved. I, I think um, the character that Brian has got has been turned up quite a lot since TLC. Yes. Um, and they've developed it a lot more. Yeah. And so I think the TLC match was your, you know, okay, here's your your technical wrestler, be technical wrestler match that, you know, WWE have, I guess, have used NXT, like, heavily to promote um, in, in recent years. You know, you get a lot of these very back and forth um, matches between very technically sound wrestlers with, you know, with lots of, like, twists and turns and cool moves and, and false finishes and, and all the rest of it. So they've had that match. Um, so... I think they are free now to do something a little bit different. I'd like to think that Brian is on this hot streak with his his art and and will you know and will wrestle a character driven match. He certainly has shown himself very very capable of doing that in the past with with you know with his characters um, plural in pro wrestling. So yeah, I mean the the, the pressure on the, on the part of the creative team will be to find consistently fresh ways of him being able to, you know, be on the point of just give him a microphone and let him run because it was, I think what's really, it feels, and I don't know whether there's any truth to this, obviously, but it feels like they've given him a bit more free reign on a microphone. Like a Definitely, lot of what he yeah. says doesn't feel scripted. Um, and either that's a huge testament to his ability to recite, you know, what's written for him, but it does, it feels what's worked so well about it is that it feels like it's had a very distinctive voice yeah um and and you know we've spoken on the show before and i've certainly said on the show before in the past that everybody sounds like everybody else because you've got the same people writing everybody's promos and the people writing the promos aren't very good writers you know quite forget pro wrestling they're just not good writers um and so 
I think it's a testament to what happens if you let someone start to sound more like themselves, more unique. It's also worked for Mustafa Ali as well, of course. You look at the stuff that he's done uh, on social media with his, you know, producing his own videos and his own promo videos and stuff, which happily seems to be something they've allowed him to continue, which he kind of did again on SmackDown this week. Um, and, and, it, and it works when you let people do that. Um, I don't know how much of this is, is kind of going through the, the company and maybe is, is part of what could potentially still be a, a genuine culture shift. I don't know. Um, because, I mean, I wasn't really a fan of any single promo that got cut on Raw. But again, a couple of them did feel a little bit more individuous than they normally would do. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a, it's a testament to, to that working so well. I mean, the one he did on, that Brian did on, social media i think it was before tlc or so before tribute to the troops or something like that where he interrupted one of these sort of now wwe now youtube show things live streams was was fantastic as well um the the one thing that i would kind of be trepidatious about here we're all presuming it's a given or seem to be presuming it's given that brian's carrying that title into wrestlemania and you would hope like you say uh, he's on this hot streak. He's clearly, you know, the 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 most maybe apart from Samoa Joe, uh, potentially, um, and Mustafa Ali, one of the most well-rounded uh, three-dimensional characters on the show. He's doing really well with that championship. It's it's hot, you know, hot button issues that he's that he's touching on. But that babyface side of things on SmackDown Live is way for thin. And so whether WWE kind of feel like they have to go with AJ as champion into WrestleMania because they've got more options that way, I don't know. Um, I, at this point, so abs- even more so than when I predicted it on our prediction show, so passionately believe that Mustafa Ali is the perfect challenger for WrestleMania for Daniel Bryan for so many reasons. For the reasons you wrote about in your column that you posted on Thursday, uh, talking about how important it is for Sunday to be the event where WWE genuinely prove we're serious about this all this new era stuff. Because like, how refreshing would it be to see Ali not necessarily win the Rumble, but win that big title match in a, in a big main event but also the you know the two characters are just born for one another aren't they i mean you've got you've got daniel bryan preaching about um you know all of the kind of the um the the uh, the, the, the hypocrisy in society and and people you know not being being worthy and and needed to change their lifestyles and stuff you know he's he's a he's become a social crusader in a very negative you know, that's, that's kind of spewing this kind of negativity. Um, not necessarily, not because the, the message is negative, but the way he's spreading it is negative. Um, and then you've got Ali who's, who's juxtaposed that, who's on a social crusade of his own, but is it's, it's got a very positive vibe to what he's doing. Like, come on, that's screaming for a big match, isn't it? Like that could be such a, uh, such a, a sort of a, a substantive and complex and and, sat, and sort of emotionally challenging and satisfying storyline to engage those two characters against one another, resulting in what would be an incredible title match at WrestleMania if they if they were brave. Just take a deep breath, and you you, you wrote it in your column, Mav. You know, be bold. You just want WWE to be bold and make these choices because they they are they have at their fingertips some of the most compelling potential TV they've had in, in maybe ever. I, I think one thing that really stands out to me that, that suggests that, you know, what you're suggesting about Ali as a possibility is, is the fact that, uh, you know, they just don't, they don't seem to 
have anything else particularly uh, in mind. And then the SmackDown title itself, there's not that much pressure on it because, yes. you know, when was the last time that title main event at WrestleMania? I mean, or a pay per view. I mean, well, you'd have to go back to, I mean, obviously, like, you know, when it when it was the, the sort of just the the one belt, then obviously then. But in the old brand split days, you know, The Undertaker um, was a SmackDown World Champion that main events to WrestleMania at 24. I think that might have been the last time. So. Five, six. Yeah, I think it was. 20. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. So there's not that much pressure on that title as such because you know it's not going to main event, main event. I mean, it would be called the main event but it won't be it'll go on halfway through the show so there's not they don't have the pressure of it being the thing that sells the show so why not experiment with it i don't see why they shouldn't and you know if they have mustafa ali go through this feud with samoa joe which is a big like test feud um why not and especially because there's also a, a sense of symmetry with Brian's big WrestleMania as well. You know, this underdog who's not necessarily meant to be there who the year before was on the pre-show. You know, this completely unlikely challenger who came through from 205 Live to pick up a shock victory over the WWE champion like the second week he was on the show or whatever. Like there's there's that, that there's the, the spirit of... Uh, of New Orleans in 2014 would sit very much at the heart of that, which would make Brian's reaction to it even more fascinating. It would, it would, because I mean, he's already come out and said, hasn't he, uh, in promos and so on, that um, you know that character was dead. You know, the people, the people that that wanted it were hypocrites. Um, you know, and all that stuff. So he, he's come out, and, he's come out and said, and keeps referencing his history as a previous favourite of the crowd. So yeah, I mean it writes itself. But the, but not to look past Royal Rumble, of course. Like I said, that I mean there is still a chance that AJ Styles would win. It would feel like a huge step backwards. It would feel very disappointing if he did. But I think the chances are probably Brian retains here, uh, and it'll be a great match. You know, regardless of any consternation you or I or both of us may have about Styles as a character or anything like that. Ultimately, they do put on good matches with each other, and uh, I shouldn't expect this to be any different. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the, the dream is that you get an angle Benoit type of classic, you know, yes. that, that's the dream, isn't it? Like the thing that you, that you'd like the most to see, you know, is something like that. But, um, I guess, I guess we shall see. Right. So the other title match, um, you know, you tell me what this one that makes me think of this Leslie Balor match, right? I just think like, do you ever going like, if, if somebody sets you up to Royal Rumble 2015, when they had, it was that, that fantastic Lesnar Cena Rollins match. And then someone has said to you, like, uh, everyone will be so tired of Brock Lesnar matches, you know, <laughs> that the, the character will, will basically be deemed to have no value whatsoever. Mm. I mean, it, it seems so long ago that, that that Lesnar wrestled that exhilarating match with, uh, you know, Rollins and Cena. Like, it, it's funny, like, you'd almost be forgiven for forgetting that it existed. Um, it's so, so much well, so as the, uh, as the negativity kind of overridden you know, the things that Lesnar did achieve in, in, in this kind of part-time run. Yeah. And it's, it's another lesson in, in how not to write. Um, I think because the, the, the thing about Lesnar at Royal Rumble 2015, the thing about Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, uh, and shortly thereafter as well, maybe up to SummerSlam that year. Well, no, 
to, to up to the end of that Undertaker feud. And you could maybe argue up to the 2016 Rumble, but that's kind of a bit of a push, but certainly up to the end of the Undertaker feud. What worked was that Lesnar's character was on a very clearly defined journey with moments in it that made it feel like the character was developing, that the character had changed, had grown from the experiences he was having. Uh, and so that's, I mean, that's why the part-time title reign worked that time around because it felt like it had a point and a destination in mind and that you were on, like I said, a very clearly defined journey. That's why the character had value in matches because again, it, it, the character was growing and developing out of these experiences uh, as were those interacting with him. Seth Rollins' character grew and developed out of that experience. John Cena's character grew and developed out of the, the SummerSlam experience. You know, even The Undertaker grew and developed out of the experience of WrestleMania 30. But then the Undertaker feud ended, the Royal Rumble 2016 came around, and the focus became Lesnar's getting back that title that, you know, because the journey was Lesnar's champion gets to WrestleMania role and steals the title, Lesnar tries to get it back, the Undertaker seeks revenge for 30. So you've, you've got a, a clear narrative there. Brock Lesnar gets, you know, he, he gets his revenge on the Undertaker, then the next step is he wants his title back. Makes sense, you're still on a journey. Gets into the Royal Rumble 2016, that's when things start to go wrong. Because he gets eliminated by the White family, seemingly doesn't give a shit. You no know, consequence for the Wyatt. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, the the moment in the match itself is still bizarre to sit and watch because it's so deeply out of character. From that point on, then WWE, you know, because we we put all the blame on on Brock. And to be fair, you know, I mean, you can you can, you know, his attitude is is leaves a lot to be desired from what we can tell and ascertain at least. But WWE have a big part to play in, in all of this as well, of course, which is that past that point, when you then start getting to the random Randy Orton match that they built around, like they just announced randomly without any kind of pretext to it, and then was based all around the RKO, which Randy Orton hit halfway through and Lesnar kicked out, so that story's done. Uh, you know, And then from there on, the Universal uh, title reign, you know, the Goldberg stuff... Um, all of that, it just felt like the character was drifting. It didn't have a point anymore, and it had just become this aimless, pointless thing that wasn't involved in any narratives, that wasn't changing and growing from experiences that it was having in, in the ring or against other opponents, that was actively regressing and damaging the people who came up against it. You know, And they kept delaying it, the Dean Ambrose thing, you know, all of it. You, you get all the way to, to where we were back at, at WrestleMania 31 and nobody cared. And the reason people didn't care as much as you want to talk about the booking and everything else was because the writing had no point to it anymore. You weren't on a journey. You weren't involved in a story. There was no narrative. There was no end point. There were no waypoints. So to me, Lesnar's entire stint um, since WrestleMania 30 and then certainly after the Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker has been a lesson in how not to write because you need your characters on journeys, you need your characters feeling like they're evolving with their experiences uh, which is a, obviously a, something that's plagued WWE in its entirety including Finn Balor and that's what makes this all very interesting to me um, is that Brock Lesnar is now so deeply irrelevant in the fictional fabric of wwe because he's not been on a journey for any any given length of time now um that this is now that he's been beaten by roman reigns at SummerSlam in very clear and undebatable fashion he just got straight out beaten by roman reigns got the title back but he got it back in dubious circumstances he didn't beat Strowman on his own to do it you know this is a brock lesnar who appears more flawed than we've seen since he wrestled triple h uh, you know, which is you're talking six years, which is you know a remarkable thing to say out loud. 
but you're talking six years. So this is a genuine opportunity, not just from the booking perspective, as you wrote about Mav, to, to really put their all behind Finn Balor and, and take you know and, and take that bold. I'm going to say take a risk. I don't think it is a risk, quite honestly, but but to take that bold move and, and go with him as Universal Champion against Seth, presumably at WrestleMania, uh, while still having Lesnar on the card, as you as you rightly wrote, you could easily build a Strowman Lesnar grudge match or something like that. Um, not only from that point of view, but from the writing point of view, this is your opportunity, excuse me, <coughs> to get Brock Lesnar back into a narrative that feels like it has a point and, a, and, a, and, a, and an end point and a purpose where he seems to grow from his experiences back at SummerSlam, you know, at Crown Jewel, if he loses at Royal Rumble against Balor, you know, going up maybe against Strowman at WrestleMania, something like that. And Balor gets to benefit from, from quite literally changing from his experiences, you know, because this is an opportunity now, not just for him to become universal champion, but to also start to develop the character that he's been missing for ever basically exactly i mean i couldn't have said best myself i i just i just feel uh, uh, you know at this at this point in time that if they've audibled finn balor into the match you know if they've um understood that 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 strowman v lesnar again was was a bad idea for the title because then if if, if strowman loses which clearly he would have done because they had no plans for him to be wrestling for that title at wrestlemania then you know, then you might as well, you know, send him, send him away because, you know, like the whole character was built around the, like, I mean, basically they've Rybacked him essentially what they've, what they've done. Absolutely. Um, so if you've gone that far, go the whole hog, you know, like you'll never have an opportunity to turn Finn's run round again. Now, of course it wasn't his fault that he got injured after that SummerSlam title win. It was a bold move to put that belt on him. Nobody thought he was beating Rollins in that match at SummerSlam. Um, because, you know, Rollins was the established guy. It was it was kind of like, okay, well, this just feels like I'm setting up a new championship with a challenger of the month. Like, And and yet they put it on him. He couldn't keep it, obviously, and that allowed them then to start the Triple H thing, which obviously, you know, you know going way off beam there. But I, I think... If if they want to turn Balor around, then they they've they've suddenly accidentally lucked into a hot streak for him. He went over, he wrestled Devlin, uh, he flew over straight back to Raw, he crowbarred his way into a fatal four way, which he won. Um, and now it's kind of I mean I could have done without the David and Goliath crap that we we got on Raw. I thought that was absolutely dreadful it's basically jack and the beanstalk all over again yeah it was definitely written by vince yes absolutely um and then that that whole bit when bala came out and then corrected him on the details of the story i was just like oh my god like i know the guy's like irish but come on it's not just having reciting bible stuff um but but leaving all of that aside they've lucked into a, a, a sort of an opportunity here and even if you know, even if they're insisting that Lesnar wrestles a title match, well, all right, have him take it back off Finn at fast lane then. You know, but at least give mm. the fans the adrenaline rush of mm. seeing Finn Balor do what people think are impossible. Now, of course, in the in the column I referenced the, uh, and I think I talked about the pod last week as well, referenced the Eddie Guerrero um, Brock Lesnar story and and how you know instructive that is in terms of actually giving the fans something that they might not even have known they wanted until it was a possibility. And then suddenly you give them the thing that seems unlikely 
but then it happens and it feels incredibly natural. And I think in pro wrestling, you always go with the hot hands and Finn Balor has got hot. So, so which is, you know, do it. Which, absolutely. Which is exactly what they did with Seth last year with the IC title. Like I, I remember, I think people have forgotten. I, I, I don't know how they felt, but at, the, at, you know, WrestleMania weekend, it was, it was, it was, you know, by no means a, a foregone conclusion that Seth was going to win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania last year, uh, and I think that did turn out to be exactly what you said, which was something that you kind of didn't necessarily realise that you were wanting, and then it happened, and it just seemed to to be the perfect thing at the perfect time, um, and and they've missed so many of these opportunities. You know, Dean Ambrose beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32 is a prime example. Um, or, or indeed winning the Royal Rumble in 2016 is perhaps the most prominent example of the last five years, quite honestly. Like that was so much his moment and so obviously his moment. And you didn't even realise... Until he was in that final two. Because you didn't expect him to be, did you? Well, well, I mean, I, I, I went on the pod before that 16 Rumble and said the bold thing to do would be to let Ambrose win it. I don't think he will, but that'd be the bold thing to do. But then he got into the final two. And I remember yeah. like, that is one of the most like kayfabe, like embroiled in kayfabe. I think I've been watching wrestling in a, in a really long time. And, and when, and when you watch it back and you see the crowd reaction to that moment as well, like the pop is not just because Reigns gets eliminated. It's, it's just as much because you go, Oh shit, they, they've actually put Ambrose in the last two in a Royal Rumble with Triple H where he could win the championship. Um, and so, like you say, I mean, it's the perfect description, not realizing you wanted it until you got it. And then of course they decided not to give it to us. Um, they're in a position where they can, where they can have their own cake, but let us eat ours as well. Um, like you say, you know, give Finn, give finish a, a title run, even if you want to take it back off him again at Fastlane, cause you need to pad those two February pay-per-views out, but hell, Give him the opportunity and see if he can run with it. And if he runs with it, maybe call the audible, you know, and, and, and I mean, again, the, the phrase you use, be bold is, is all they need to be and give people that opportunity to give them the opportunity to fail. Um, but give, because with that comes the opportunity to succeed in a way that WWE might not necessarily expect. And indeed they may very well stumble into something they didn't realize they wanted until they get it. But you know, the rest, the wrestling industry at large, feels like it's going through something of a, of a, of a moment already this year. Uh, and there's so much that feels different and new and, and, uh, you know, on the cusp of something genuinely historic that WWE would be foolish not to just, but you talk about momentum and it's about momentum for the company as much as it is about any one, one performer as well. You know, they've, they've, come out of the gates in 2019 saying, okay, you know, new era. We know TV has been shit. We're going to do our best. No more automatic rematches is, is one thing. And, you know, there's some, some of the promos have started to feel a bit more individuous and a bit more like they've got someone's own voice behind them. Keep it going. Keep that momentum going by making bold choices at Royal Rumble, which, you know, of, I think particularly at Royal Rumble, it would mean more, more than more so than if it would happen at WrestleMania, because at Royal, no other event, in WWE, no other event as beloved as Royal Rumble in WWE has had the tumultuous history that Royal Rumbles had over the last few years. You know, with twenty, with the controversy of 2014, the the bad taste of 2015, the bitter sweetness of 2016, the inexplicable uh, decisions in 2017. Um, you know, it's 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 got a, it's developed a very unique history of its own over the last few years. So it would mean, I think it would these 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 gestures would mean even more if they happened at Royal Rumble than if they happened on any other pay per view. And it's I think it's it's so 
it would be so important if they captured that mood. It would, it would. And also, I mean, even if you just look at it from a fictional point of view, the shared universe potential of this is huge because you've got sure. you've got Strowman there, you've got Lesnar, like they've got a history, you know, you've got Strowman, you know, chasing Baron Corbin around because of how he has fed into into the situation where Strowman isn't the champion. Um, you know, Balor has been in there. You've had, um, you know, Cena. You've had Cena in there kind of as, whoa, 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 as, as part of greatest, it. You mean greatest of all time, John Cena? Uh, that must be a different John Cena. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you, you've had all these people in and around the situation. Um, you know, Rollins has gone out and said that, that you know, undoubtedly his aim is to, uh, is, is to be um, Universal Champion again. So you've got all of this stuff ready-made for you. Drew, uh, don't forget Drew. And, and of course, like, you know, McIntyre is, is, is on a, on a tear as well. So yeah, you have all this stuff there. I mean, maybe it's McIntyre that um, gets involved in this match because he thinks he can easily beat Finn Balor. So he takes out Lesnar, lets Balor win it. And then says, right, I want you the, your title. Give me a shot at the next pay-per-view or something, you know, like there's so much possibility in how you, in how you go about this. So, I just, I just hope that they don't give us, you know, Lesnar throwing Balor around for a bit, a brief Balor comeback, but then Lesnar hits an F5 and it's over. And then, you know, off he goes to, I don't know, do some farming uh, again until WrestleMania. Like, I, we just, we don't need to see that again. We don't, but I would, I would very much prepare for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think this yeah. is the thing, right? We, we are, um, we've been doing this for a long time with that, you know, watching wrestling and, and now, you know, commenting on wrestling for other people. And, you know, you don't, and we're not the kind of people that are going to say, okay, well, this is a deal breaker if it doesn't happen because yes, that's quite. setting yourself up to fail. But um, it, it's, it's more obvious than ever that people do not like these Lesnar matches and it should be apparent even to the company now because of course the fact they put on that you know 20 odd minute brian lesnar match whatever you think about it is testament to the fact that they realize that actually no they've got to give some more competitive type of matches because people were fed up of the eight minutes of suplex city so seemingly even brock lesnar was so we hear well yeah quite that's the thing so yeah, let's, let's hope we get something decent out of this anyway. Um, but yeah, so obviously the smart money's on Lesnar to win, but uh, a slim chance maybe they do something that we're not expecting. And if they do, everyone will be very happy, I think. Um, all right, let's 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 actually get into the Rumble matches themselves then. So let's start with the women's um, Rumble. So we need to just have a brief look at who's in now. Of course, there's a bit of weird thing where they reveals like like one woman an hour for the whole of Sunday or something. Um, they've left, I think, seven spots open. So, of course, Carmella will be entering at number 30 as her prize for winning the next match challenge. Um, and then we've got Emma Moon, Natalia, Bailey, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, Mandy Rose, Sonny Deville, Alicia Fox, Zelina Vega, Naomi, Mickey James, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Charlotte Flair, Tamina, Taylor Brooke, Lana, Nia Jax, Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, who of course is finally back from injury, and Lacey Evans. Uh, um, so, um, they've left enough spots open that 
there could be some shenanigans where either Becky or Asuka gets in. So I think that's probably the first possibility for those spots. Um, and then I guess all the, the inverted commas legends they've been bringing back lately. So you'd imagine Trish, maybe. Mm. You'd imagine um, one of the Bellas, if not both. Uh, you'd imagine... Uh, who's the other one that they kept bringing back? Tori Wilson? Well, Lita. Lita, oh God, like Lita nearly killed herself last time, so let's hope not. Um, yeah, so they, they, they've got they've got some spots open there. So uh, I don't know maybe if, if Sasha would enter if she doesn't win the title from Rousey, which you suspect she won't. Uh, I'm not a big fan of people entering after they've lost the title match. I really hate that. Um, yeah, but they I've seem never to been just, a big fan of it. They seem to just do it all the time anyway. And I think the one that annoyed me most was that Ziggler v Edge match, which was fantastic, and then Ziggler yeah. to the Rumble, and it really pissed me off on the night. I remember that well. Yeah, 2011. Well, they needed 40 people, didn't they? Well, this is true. Anybody would think it was a short-sighted decision. Now, now nowadays, 40 people is not enough. Oh, <laughs> 80-person Royal Rumble. That's 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 yeah. coming. That's coming next. The first ever 80-man Royal Rumble. Um, the really properly greatest Royal Rumble. Oh my God! Like the uh, the the, the uh, super deluxe Royal Rumble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I. I, I uh, either way, like honestly, it's so funny. Like when you actually read down like how they actually um, reveal these women would be in it, like Zelina Vega announced via her Twitter page. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, all right. So, like, I mean, like even there, like, you, why have you done that on Twitter? You could have got TV out of that. You could have written TV out of doing that sort of thing. So yeah, so the, so Ember, Natalia, Bailey, Ruby, Liv, and Sarah all announced it on Raw. Um, and then Billy Payton and Charlotte all announced it on. Oh no, Charlotte was on WWE's Twitter. So Payton and Billy was on SmackDown. But yeah, the rest of them were just done on Twitter. It's like, come on now. It's like this is still a pro wrestling company, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think it speaks to the, the 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 women's Royal Rumble match this year. I think is in an even more important spot than it was last year because last year. It was very important that they, they succeeded um, and they put together a match that succeeded, but they had a lot to lean on. And I'm, I don't mean to take away from the achievement of the women who are a part of that by any means, but what I mean by that is, excuse me, <clears throat> you know, you had the nostalgia effect in play with kind of all the legends coming through. You had the ready-made theme of this idea of it being sort of, you know, a, a match made up of all the big female performers in the company's history from different eras. And, you know, you, you had just the sheer novelty of it being the first ever and the history, the inbuilt history of it being the first ever. So it was very important that they succeeded, but it was in a very uh, special pl- platform heading in this year. Not so much this year. They've got to work from the ground up completely. They've got to build something out of absolutely nothing. Um, and in a way, the WWE's put them in an immediate disadvantage because I haven't really felt like WWE have put quite as much effort into creating a clear sense of favorites and dark horses for the women's match as they have the men's match. Um, and while it's awesome to see, because one of the things I was worried about was perhaps absolutely foolishly now I think about it was roster depth. Um, but it's awesome that we've already got, what is it, like 23 names in there? And, yeah. and it's all full-time contemporary talent. Like that's properly good. Um, and I love the fact that there's, you know, there's people making debut main roster, sort of big main roster debuts there. I like the fact that Charlotte Flair's in there is kind of the, you know, the real prominent, I guess, front runner to win it. Um, 
but I just feel like they've they've kind of the company hasn't done these women any favors. I feel like they've not really given them a lot to really work with heading in. Uh, I don't think they've given the men a lot to work with heading in, but they seem to have given the men a bit more. Um, and the match itself needs to succeed, I think, this year even more than it did last year. Because, like I said, they've got to build it from the ground up, but also they've got to prove that it's a lasting concept, that it's more than than just you know a, a one-hit wonder, that they can actually do fantastic Royal Rumbles year in year out with with you know new ideas and, and creative takes on it. I really didn't enjoy. Uh, the Women's Rumble last year, simply because of the fact there was so much, you know, so much of the past in it. And I really felt like they had enough women last year to do what they've done this year. You know, I mean, I think you're right. 23 contemporary talents. I mean, probably up to 25 if they include a couple of the losers from the title matches. It's fantastic. And, and you know, there's maybe some NXT women in there. Baszler might get mm. might get a run in there. Um, Sane might do. I mean, if, if they do this road to phoenix thing or whatever it's called the access tournament yeah if they do a women's when version, worlds collide that's the one if they if they get like a women's version of that maybe one of the nxt uk women get in there like an isle of dawn or somewhere or someone actually i don't know if you saw this but alexa bliss um was asked at like a comic con or something who you know who she most wants to wrestle and she said isla dawn uh, and tony storm which i thought was interesting okay um so yeah, I, I, I hope that that we that what these you know what these women put together is going to be a justification for yes you know let's move because the women's divisions have have thrived I think because of the fact that it's all contemporary talent all the time yeah absolutely absolutely and it's so bizarre that they can't see the success and the not not necessarily not just the critical success but also just the the wider PR success of those women being successful, because they must be aware of the fact that actually they've hit a PR home run by featuring the women so heavily the past three or four years, um, and don't understand that the reason why it's working is the fact that they've they've taken a load of of young women in their prime that they've trained, they've had through the performance center system, they've brought onto the main roster, and although it's been patchy, they've given them opportunities to do stuff that the men do. And yet they don't seem to see that the men's roster needs the exact same thing. That's that's the it's crazy, the, yeah. crazy thing about it. Really. The, the grand irony of the whole women's revolution, evolution, whatever you want to call it, whatever catch call term you want to use, you know, the whole irony of it is that the end game has now become, it starts off as give women the same opportunities as men. Now we're in a position where we want the men to be given the same opportunities as the women. Quite, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's look at some of the favourites then. Um, so Charlotte, as you say, seems on paper the prohibitive favourite, um, if only because, you know, she's got the best pedigree in terms of amount of title wins, in terms of time as a main eventer. Um, I will say I will say that I'm, I really, really hope they don't go, oh, Charlotte Flair's number three and she goes coast to coast and wins it. Because I think ooh, I might just shove my ooh, head on a spike if they do that. Because it would be so brazenly... Yeah, so brazenly like heavy-handed and obvious that if she comes out at number three, it's going to be difficult to win to win my good faith back. I have to be honest. Oh, I yeah. try not to be one of those fans, but it would be such a you know such a such a, a ludicrously obvious thing to do. If she's one or two, fair enough. Like okay, but to do it at number three, like come on, you can't possibly expect me to suspend my disbelief quite that much, can you? I, I yeah, I I I, I hadn't even thought of that. I have to be honest. If that is going to happen, I think 2022 will be the time. 
because that would be because no. <laughs> that would be like thirty years since, wouldn't it? <laughs> For the championship. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, who would have thought? Oh my god! Yeah, and then Charlotte finds like you know pictures. Uh, it's like doctored pictures out. Oh, he was mine before he was yours. Yeah. <laughs> Now that I could mark out for, I think. Um, <laughs> honestly, I remember, I remember that storyline, right? I was, what was I, like, 12 when that was going on? I totally bought that storyline. I was like, oh, my God, like, he was with Liz before? This is crazy. Anyway. And I'll tell you something else as well. If that does happen and Curry Graves has the audacity to start saying it's not fair to Flair, then I'll be really livid. Oh, no, like, yeah, the TV will be out of, going out of the window if I hear Corey Graves or Byron Saxon say anything of the sort. Um... Okay, so uh, so Flair seems like the obvious favourite. A couple of dark horses, Nia Jax, um, because obviously she is, I guess, she's in the big show role. Like, uh, it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be the whole spot where, you know, 12 women all try and start lifting her over, over um, etc. But obviously as well, she is the Rock's cousin and that always seems to give her opportunities despite the fact that Lately, she's just gone around injuring people left and right. And then Alexa Bliss is another obvious one, isn't it? Um, you know, she she Alexa Bliss. I really like what they've done there. I really like the fact that on the go home show they had her announce she's entering the Rumble because she's someone who, you know, is obviously a prominent star in the division. Um, should therefore be considered a favourite from a kind of a meta perspective because she's such a big star. Uh, I'm going to love to see how she. Um, what kind of an effort she puts in, you know, cause she's obviously quite diminutive in stature compared to some of the other, uh, foremost competitors in the match. Uh, and, but she's, her character's very canny and very savvy. Yeah. Um, and so I would I hope we get a DBOC 1990 style yeah, performance totally. out of her. Um, so I, I re- and I really like that cause that adds a little bit of intrigue to it as well, creatively from the, the point of view of the fiction there, you know, you've got this multiple time former women's champion announcing she's entering the rumble at the last possible moment that she could, uh, you know, that throws a lot of develop again in the fiction would throw a lot of developed game plans potentially out of the window. Um, so I really like that. I'm hoping we see a good performance from Ember Moon this year. I feel like Ember Moon, you know, is uh, you talk about talents be, being wasted on the main roster and stuff, mm-hmm. and I think Ember Moon is a big one because I think people, whether fans have or not, I think people in the company are either totally unaware or, or have already forgotten the kind of amazing thing she was able to do. Like her matches with Asuka and Shayna Baszler in NXT were, I thought, brilliant. Um, and it's the kind of match, I think, that serves her character quite well. She's got kind of that sort of warrior type mm. love of the fight thing going Doesn't on. Doesn't she so. have like a real <clears throat> random, really good night out of nowhere recently where she. I think she. Yeah, so something, I think. Yeah, I'm not. I know what you mean. I know what you're, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, she had like a match where she really showed people what she could do again, I think. Um, it turned some heads. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. I think she's a fantastic talent. I think in a way. It's a shame she, you know, when she came up. I mean, I, I think she probably should have stayed down for a little bit longer. But, but when but when she came up, it's a shame she didn't go to SmackDown because I think she'd have got a bit more breathing space. But um, absolutely, and and I think I so I'd love to see you know I'd love to see her get like be so it, provided Becky doesn't get into the match. You know, I I'd love to see her be like you know like the final two with Charlotte or something like that. You yeah, know? So like to to give her a pop. Absolutely, because really, really, she's really she's, right she's for what I like as well. 
I think, well, I, it's interesting you say that. I think both Ruby, so the Rumble countdown series I've been doing with my columns on LordsPain.net recently, uh, where I've been counting down the top 16 on winning, my, my top 16 on winning performances in, in Rumble history. Uh, one of them was Lex Luger in 95, one of the earlier entries. And one of the reasons I love that performance so much is that he's kind of why i refer to in the column as a second tier favorite so somebody a bit like ambrose in 2016 actually somebody who could feasibly win it like you wouldn't necessarily reject the idea of them winning it but are unlikely to do so in all honesty and i think ruby riot and ember moon are both what you could call second tier favorites in that sense in that if they did win it you wouldn't necessarily be like that's absolutely ridiculous and i'm not you know i can't possibly believe that's the case um, but if they, but at the same time, you know that, that convincing, you could be convinced they'd potentially win it, depending on how they're produced in in the match. And I think it's it's executive favourites like that that often make rumbles really, really sort of you know hit that next level of of uh, exhilaration. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I I think Ruby Wright's someone I really like as a talent. Now, I mean, what I'd quite like to see is is a kind of little bit of a, you know, what they did with Punk uh, in. It's been 2011. I was just about to say that with you next. Yeah, I, I'd yeah, like absolutely. to see like Liv and um, and Sarah be, you know, be a bit like that. Be his Mason Ryan and whatever other jabronis were in the new Nexus. Heath Slater. Buskey Harris. <laughs> um, whatever Heath Slater the wasn't in the. Heath wasn't in oh, the, no, the Nexus. He, he got went to the, the core, core with two that's it. Yeah, that's right. With Wade Barrett. The uh, and uh, Justin Gabriel and Ezekiel Jackson. Yep. My God. Anyway, right. <laughs> what what a time. What a time to be alive, eh? <laughs> it's funny it's funny when you watch the twenty eleven rumble back and it starts off with the new Nexus and the core brawling and you're just like, Good lord, how far we've come. Oh, it's so weird as well, right? Because I remember like being super into the new Nexus. I think it's just because I was so much a CM Punk fan that I just saw everything they gave him to do was like, okay, this will be good. And they just ends up a few <laughs> right, with, with with Randy Orton and uh, losing at WrestleMania, but never mind. Still bitter about that. Um, I'd be more bitter about the fact. I mean, his performance in in 2011 is phenomenal. Oh yeah, the new sure. Nexus. The new the new Nexus has produced apps. You know, regardless of what you think about them as a group or as individual talents, as a, in that match they're produced brilliantly. Um, and then John Cena comes in and just throws them all out in like 30 seconds yeah, flat. Right. And then CM Punk is 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 exposed to the indignity of being beaten down by not just John Cena but Hornswoggle yeah. before being being thrown out and then after that incredible run that you get from new nexus and punk you get a comparative run except for it's cena and hornswoggle making jokes out of everybody and it's like if that's not a microcosm of history you know and why john cena isn't by the way greatest of all time uh then i don't know what is it you know those two comparisons 2011 is a fascinating thing because it's like the first half is the reality here knocking on the door and saying, look at what we can be. And the second half is them basically going, oh yeah, but this is what we've got with John Cena and we're sticking with that. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Like I, I remember so well, like uh, downloading a torrent for like rumble 2011. Um, and then like, for some reason, the internet was really slow that evening. And, um, and it, I, by the time it downloads, it was like almost like almost 11 at night or something. And I was like, right, I have to watch, I have to just watch this. I can't, Go to play. I can't wait another day of like of dodging spoilers. It wasn't not as bad as it is now, but it was still pretty bad back then. And I remember sort of so I sat down and I, like, I watched it, and you know the undercard of that show was you know was pretty good. And then the rumble starts, and 
And I remember like, you know, and I was totally gripped by it. Like, oh yeah, new Nexus, like they do it, they're controlling the ring, punks directing traffic, like this is fantastic. And as you say, like I just remember being so deflated when when Cena mm. just turned up and threw them all out and and, and I, I was so depressed by that that I didn't really get back into the match until it's kind of closing stages. And and I think that just shows you how bad rumble design is is the thing that's most harmful to a rumble match. <laughs> It can be, yeah, absolutely. And and there are people who are going to say, yeah, well, Cena doesn't necessarily make the decision to do that. And it's like, well, first of all, he's the top guy, so he's got undoubtedly got stroke. Um, and second of all, even if he's not the one suggesting it, he should be saying that's an absolutely ridiculous idea for me to come in and throw out this group that's dominated the entire Rumble up to that point inside of 30 seconds flight. It does nobody any favours, and the idea is stupid, so we're not doing it. No, quite. Anyway, so back to the back to the women's rumble. Sorry, though. yes. No, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We've kind of you know there was it's a it's a good comparative point because you know you've also got Maddie and Sonia who are a um, who are a team and Peyton and Billy who are a team um, and maybe if Sasha enters Sasha and Bailey who are a team. Uh, so yeah, you've got you've got some interesting potential for cross pollination here. Um, I mean, the, the fact that you've got the women's tag team championships looming on the horizon, and I, I talked about this in my alternative pre-show on, on Sports Entertainment is Dead on Wednesday, um, gives them an in to make this like a really interesting Royal Rumble. Part of my research for the series I've been doing was watching, obviously I've watched every single Rumble back, and, and um, you know what's fascinating when you watch 1988, the first one, um, is that because it's it's so completely different to what we recognize today in the sense the psychology i mean because guys come out and it's that that sort of wonderfully 80s psychology of the bad guys team up with the bad guys to beat the good guys up and then the good guys come out and save you know the other good guy and then and everybody everybody almost immediately and i mean everybody almost immediately pairs up with somebody else even though it's meant to be every man for themselves right and i thought wouldn't that be interesting for them to openly recognize that they've got this tag, you know, these tag team championships looming on the horizon. Over the last year, they've, they've, I've felt seemed to self-consciously start pairing women together, like they had Naomi Asuka be partners for a long time, and they've had, you know, Nia Jackson, Tamina team up, and obviously Sasha and Bailey, you know, and you've got the Riot Squad, and you've got the former members of Absolution, and all, and all that that sort of stuff. And and it'd be, you know, and Alexa Bliss and Mickey James have kind of been a, a partnership at times. You know, it'd be interesting to see whether they they use that sort of looming aspect of tag team championships, um, in part to inform these you know women pairing up in a way we haven't seen since you know eighty eight and eighty nine and making temporary alliances and stuff and and then using that to feed into building towards the tag team cha- tag team uh, chamber. Um, that's the one thing that has. I mean, it's WWE, so I'm not sure they can think quite that laterally when it comes <laughs> to their creative. But um, if they did, I think that'd be really, really interesting to see play out, especially for someone like Bailey, who's got a partner, who's got Sasha Banks, but Banks not necessarily in the match. So suddenly, to be in that environment where you're having to go go on your own, but everyone else is pairing up, like you could get some really interesting psychological nuance out of that. I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think that'd be you know like a fantastic way to to sell Elimination Chamber as well, and. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think that'd be super super interesting. Um, all right, let's predict a winner then. Um, so I think I'm going to go the obvious route and say Charlotte, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were shenanigans. I mean, it is upon tradition to predict someone who isn't in the rumble winning the rumble, um, and it's very and once again, it's very easy to predict Becky. 
um, even though she's not announced for the Rumble. But I think I agree with you. I think that the, the comfortable safe pick here is Charlotte, not least of all because they'd love to, beyond anything else to say, to, to give Charlotte that feather in her cap of her career. Because um, uh, you know that this is going to... Charlotte's an, an inevitable case of one day they'll be saying the greatest of all time, Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, putting that putting that rumble feather in a cap uh, seems to be... seems to just make sense. Sometimes the obvious choice is the best one to go with. I feel like this, this is one of those, those situations. And, of course, if they do want to just do Charlotte v. Rousey one-on-one... Um, well, quite. You know, yeah. as a Survivor Series rematch, or if they want to go triple threat with Becky and Becky just... You know, does the does some sort of you know um, maneuver to get herself into the match somehow? Um, maybe by winning elimination chamber and then revealing that it allows you to choose your choose your opponent after Raw or something. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking out loud, but but um, either way, I, I think you know Charlotte winning doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have Becky in that match as well. Absolutely, yeah, um, absolutely. So I'd also I'd also like to see a clean clean winner i like rumbles with clean winners you know yeah yeah without, without, sh- without shenanigans it's nice to get them every now and then like 94 is is a favorite of mine but yeah i think charlotte to win i think is is the sensible thing to do yeah oh, i agree okay so let's look at the men's royal rumble then so announced so far we have 20 participants uh so our truth will be entering at number 30 um having won the mixed match challenge with carmella uh, then we've got Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Seth Rollins, Jeff Hardy, Dean Ambrose, Bobby Lashley, Samoa Joe, John Cena, Elias, Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Apollo Crews, uh, Andrade, the now singularly named Andrade, uh, Mustafa Ali, Rey Mysterio, Titus O'Neil, great, and <laughs> Randy Orton. <laughs> now, if Titus O'Neil doesn't reprise his falling under the ring uh, act oh, from Grace's no. Rumble, then I'll be very surprised. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't think they'll be able to resist it somehow. Um, I saw the other day that someone had recreated it with action figures. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I've seen that. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that was, was pretty good. Um, all right, so we talked about this quite a lot um, last week, but it seems like you know the two prohibited favourites is Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Like those seem to be the, the names on everybody's lips. Um, we've talked a lot about why it needs to be Seth. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, the, the interesting thing over the last few days has been that these stories have emerged that they're running this this angle where Cena's injured, uh, and it is an angle because uh, and there's talk that he might not even end up that the, the story might seem not even be in the Royal Rumble match um, to potentially set up a you know a, a feud with McIntyre that was meant to be a feud with Lars Sullivan or some such. I mean, ultimately, that the the continu- and I've mentioned this before the continued threat of greatest of all time, John Cena winning a third Royal Rumble to tie Austin's record, to go on and win a 17th world title to break Ric Flair's record. Uh, you know, that that will continue to haunt me until the day Cena retires. And ultimately, even at this stage, even at this stage where he's completely irrelevant to everything, um, you know, I... I will only believe John Cena isn't in the Royal Rumble when the Royal Rumble's finished and John Cena hasn't been in it, um, ultimately. Um, so I don't think people should discount that. Uh, like you say, Seth, I think, you know, needs to win it. Uh, I will be upset if he doesn't. Um, 
I will be particularly upset if he doesn't and a part-timer does or a vet does. Like It needs to at least be someone of this generation of talent. And if not Seth, then Drew. Um, but I think it has to be it has to be Seth this year. It's just screaming out for it. <clears throat> um, Strowman, I think, is going to end up in the match, uh, injured or not injured. You know, it's it's the kind of thing that you could you could get. I mean, if Undertaker can enter it when he can barely walk, mm. then uh, why not? And I think our truth at number thirty screams, oh, he's going to get a, you know he's going to get attacked by Braun backstage, and Braun will be you know steal his number or whatever, and mm. they'll they'll do that trick. There's a couple of others as well. Jinder Mahal looks like something they could do that too. Sure, um, yeah. Titus even. Titus even, yeah. Um, so yeah, you got those in there. Uh, you know, like this. I think 10, leaving 10 unannounced is too many for me. It makes me feel uncomfortable because, mm. you know, like it means you're getting at least four or five from NXT, which I think is too many. I think it means... Well, you're... I mean, in, in, in WWE's defence, the most they've ever done is two, which was last year with Almas and, and Adam Cole. I'm not sure why they did it with Adam Cole. To the, Like Almas, I understood, but Cole seemed like a bit of a weird... He just had that match with Alistair Black, hadn't he? Um so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. Um, I guess he's. Just, it's also. I guess well, he's well. I guess he's very over in towns like Philly because you know it's it's sure, a heavy yeah. kind of like you know indie wrestling type of place. So that probably might have been it. They just wanted the pop. They just wanted like you know the I crowd mean, to say Adam Cole baby probably. really loudly. You know. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's worth saying that it's it's very rare that they ever announce a full field of the contemporary guys in it. Um, and so a number of those 10 spots will still be contemporary guys and it'll just be like, you know, people they haven't thought of giving any TV t- time to like Ty Dillinger will probably be number 10 again because that's the new joke that they've settled on over the last couple of years. Um, so stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I can understand consternation. Absolutely. It makes me a little bit nervous. I'm not too worried about it. Last year's Rumble, which I know you, you aren't necessarily as enamored with as I am, but that you watched the other day, maybe it was it last night uh, as a recording. Uh, yeah, I've I, 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 like, seen you and Doc talking about it a lot. So I was like, OK, I'm going to see if I think anything differently about it this time around. I thought, you know, it's like it's got a lot of enjoyable things about it. But um, one of which is the fact that it is uh, there's a lot of contemporary talent. Um, yes. And, and what I was going to say is that it, it felt like it, it had it very consciously pursued a theme, a generational theme. Um, particularly towards the end when you you know you had seen Orton and Ray on one side and then you had Finn Shin and uh, and Roman on another and there were moments through the match that I felt very consciously played off of that like when Sears gets completely beaten down without a comeback when he first enters um, I think uh, combine that with all of this talk and, and the apparently recognition that WWE are giving to the idea that they need to to maybe change some things up and stuff I'm cautiously very cautiously uh, confident that the, the the focus this year is going to be very much where it needs to be and should be, uh, and that the novelty entrance. I mean, we could take solace in the fact that it's, it's unlikely to ever be as bad as it was in 2012, um, I guess. Um, and I'd imagine there's going to be one or two, but like I'd imagine Bray Wyatt shows up again. I is going to be one of them. I think I imagine Matt Hardy just recently revealed he's not retired after all, so I wouldn't be shocked if he turns up. Um, you know, so there are some some injured parties or some absentee parties that will probably make a return. I think the Bludgeon Brothers are healthy again as well, so mm. they might end up Owens, showing up. Owens and Zane allegedly yeah. are ready, but they 
The rumour at the moment is they're going to hold them until after WrestleMania, which I think would be sensible. But you never know. They might they might not be able to resist it. Quite. So I think, you know, and that's not to say you might get one or two cruisers in there, perhaps. Um, you know, maybe a Buddy Murphy or oh, something Oh, and of course, like we're going to have the winner of this tournament, aren't we? Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Um, so, uh, which they're then airing after the Royal Rumble, which is a bit weird. But um, Hang on a second. I'm just going to go and keep talking. I'll have a quick look at uh, who's actually in that. Bear with me. Are we sure they get? A, are, they, are we sure they win a rumble? It seems odd to me that they'd win a rumble spot, but then air the tournament after the Royal Rumble. So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe this, they get a title being, match or something. Maybe it's being WWE. Who um, even but, knows? Well, quite. Um, but yeah, I think I. Th- you know, I'm I'm quietly confident the focus is going to be where it's going to be this year, and I think if they do give the win to Seth, or if they do give it to Drew, it's going to mean a lot more than it did them giving the win to Shinsuke last year. Um, I mean, Shinsuke winning it last year was was a welcome reprieve, but felt odd to me at the time and, and feels odd to me now. I think it was quite a short-sighted a tunnel vision move of saying, we, you know, people want this AJ Styles match with Shinsuke, so we'll have him win the Rumble. Welcome one, but a bit odd. Uh, this year it would feel different because Seth very much, I think, is demanding his just his position at the minute, demands that the win be his. Drew could easily benefit from it. Um, I also like the fact... Because Royal Rumbles do particularly well when you get that pervasive sense of um, of individual agenda going into it, and I like I feel like they've done a good job this week in particular of building up the fact that you have you know very kind of big personalities all with their own mission statements going on. Seth has his own mission statement. Drew has his own mission statement. Samoa Joe has his own mission statement. Ali has a mission statement. Um, you know, even Orton coming out and doing the you know the RKO at the end of SmackDown, sort of silently declaring his own mission statement. Ray and Andra- Andrade have had a, a bit of a feud going on on TV, so they've got their own agenda. And the Royal Rumble really benefits from that sense of shared universe and that sense of multiple moving parts coming together in one match. So I'm I'm actually you know I mean I'm an absolute nervous wreck, <laughs> uh, and I don't know how I'm going to react if Seth doesn't win. But I, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm really excited. I always get excited for the Royal Rumble. It's a freaking Royal Rumble, but I'm I'm really excited this year because I I feel like I've got a big personal investment in it this year. You know, as a as a big Seth Rollins fan, more so than normal. Like, yeah, I I can't wait, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're I think you're right. It's it's, it's exciting regardless, and I think it's exciting this time around because, you know, I think the problem with maybe the problem is seventeen. That the reason it played out so strangely was there wasn't like an obvious storyline for somebody to win it. Mm. Like it felt like a rumble that was weirdly not positioned for anybody, which is mm. why it ended up like you know Randy Orton won it, and it was almost like it was kind of like what, but also absolutely. But yeah. also then you thought, oh, but did they really build anyone else? Oh, probably not. Um, so I think this time around they've clearly positioned Rollins for this for a long for a long time now so the only reason why they wouldn't book him to win it would be if they just wanted to pull a swerve which is a very very WWE thing to do in fairness um but nevertheless like I I, I think the, it's likely it's it's likely they do the right thing by the way I just had a look and yes you are right the uh, the world's card tournament is for a title shot of their choice okay um I think the silver line, if Seth didn't win, the silver lining would be that the chase would only serve, I think, to to uh, enamor his cause more with the fa- like fans love a championship chase. They love seeing seeing you know naturally likable wrestlers chase a championship. 
so that would be the silver lining there, I guess. But I, I desperately want him to win it. It's my favorite ever match, my favorite ever wrestler, you know, uh, on the precipice of a period where WWE are, are hinting towards major changes. So uh, I'd, I'd love... I'd, I'd love love it so much to see that happen. The more I think about it, I'm stuttering because the more I think about it, you know, they've it hasn't been obvious, but the more I'm thinking on it, actually there, there is a lot of a sense of personal agenda this year because, you know, the new day have kind of got their little thing going on about people asking it, you know, if they're going to betray each other. Uh, interestingly, Kofi's body language in that interview, I thought was very interesting because he kind of stood with his head bowed and his eyes on his feet um and i really and there's rumors that vince wants to shake things up with them so i'm i'm very interested to see what happens with them actually um and you know you've got dean ambrose who cut that promo on on raw where he's talking about you know how he's he seemed to be intimating he's not quite finished with seth yet but he also wants his intercontinental championship back off bobby lashley uh, you've got lashley who's out to make a statement as intercontinental champion and, and leo rush kind of pushing uh, his cause there there's there's a real there's a there's a lot of that agenda in play this year. I'm I really I'm I'm liking it more the more I think about it. John Cena, John Cena as well. I mean, even if he's you know he might not be in it. Even if he is though, they've done a good job at least of of him. You know, his cause being I don't want to sit WrestleMania out again this year and stuff. So there's yeah. I mean, they've done a good job. I think the SmackDown side of things too, and the, you know Ali and yeah. Samoa Joe obviously had a lot of TV time. Um, Mysterio and Andrade obviously had this this thrilling series of matches you think they would have some sort of confrontation during the rumble i mean i don't like to think about it but randy orton just made a return let's just pause to mourn that fact um but, but well, yeah i mean I, I i must i must shamefully confess that there is a, a kind of a, a geeky a history geek side to me you know reigns got to the last two with batista ambrose got to the last two with triple h Rollins gets the last two with Orton. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God. I, like Now you've said that, it's going to happen. <laughs> oh my God, that's just, that's horrendous. If Randy Orton won a third Rumble, could you oh, even... I don't think there's, any, there's no hope of Randy Orton winning it, absolutely. Oh my God, but can you imagine though? Can you actually imagine? Although saying that, if AJ wins the championship off of Daniel Bryan, they may think Orton is their top. Oh God. Oh my God, that is just... <laughs> I cannot even conceive of how awful that is. Like, oh. I don't worry. I won't go as far as to say I'll eat my hat if it happens because that <laughs> just basically guarantee it. Oh my god, that's just. Oh, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I literally can't recover from that idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, um, yeah, I mean, all right, let's talk about like some of the the tropes then quickly before we before we go. Um, all right, Iron Man. Ali, surely. That's a good call. I, I really, uh, you know, Rollins as well. Andrade. I know he did, did last yeah. year as well, but might be have a tradition. I would not be shocked if we got another one of these rumbles where you have five or six of them, like in 2009. Um, and, I mean, if Rollins does go on to win it, I, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to see him do a coast-to-coast. It's been a long time since we've had... I mean, people do coast-to-coast pretty much every year at this point, but it's been a long time since we've had an actual winner do you, do you know, I've, I've not seen one that I really, really enjoyed since Ziggler, to be honest. Um, or actually, you know, Punk in 14, I really enjoyed as well. It's a shame how it turned out afterwards. But <laughs> um, What about, all right, what about one or two then? We know what 30 is going to be, sadly. One and two. Do you know what? I'm going to say one and two 
Seth and Ali. Oh, mirror images. Be like that Spider-Man gif on it. At which point I might as well just turn the TV <laughs> off because I'm like, this isn't this isn't going to be this isn't going to get any better for me, is it? I've got basically Rollins versus Rollins. I tell you what, what I'd really love to see in terms of character would be Ali oh, v. Oh, Ali v. Ambrose. Uh, yeah, Ali v. Ambrose. It would be awesome. Um, I was just about to say as well, you know, you and I have always said we want Ambrose and, and Rollins to do the the Sean Bulldog uh, 95 tribute. Hell, hell yeah! Oh my god, <laughs> Com- complete with uh, with Ambrose per- posed down on a turnbuckle before Seth pushes him <laughs> Absolutely. up. Absolutely, um, absolutely. That'd be come up into the hill, wouldn't it? Um, like, I do quite like it sometimes though when they go with a more photorealistic idea of the randomness of the rumble and you get two jabronis as one and two like they did that in they did that in 2010 where they had like five or six jabronis before punk came out it was it well punk was third was it was yeah yeah, ziggler and bourne's evan bourne started the match off they did it they kind of did it in 2015 as well Uh, miz and r-truth started off in 2015 yeah before miz got back up to his uh his current his current Indeed, I mean, yeah. you could you could even argue twenty six. I mean, I know Jericho came in second in twenty seventeen, but the first entry was Big Cass, you know, and then they had a few jabronis after that. So yeah, so I, I do quite like it when they do that, but um, I don't want to do anything as obvious as it be like you know Mysterio and Ali. Like it'd be cool in the sense that you'd get like a beginning match within a match or whatever. But I think it's too obvious. It's a bit like you know you need some kind of suspension of disbelief, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Rollins and Ali just because I I want it so bad to be those two to start. <laughs> uh, let's. Hmm. I'm going to go with Elias, I think, because they won't be able to resist him coming out and playing the guitar again. Uh, I think I'm going to go with like I know like Elias and hmm, like Elias and Andrade maybe or something like that. That's a funny mix of characters. That'd be quite fun. Um. Interesting. And then, like, obviously we know what 30 is going to be, unless, of course, like you say, Strowman takes um, Truth's place. But who do we see as those guys coming in, like, 26, 27, 28, like, the late entrants that, that sort of, like, you know, get those those spots where they've got an advantage? I think Orton, Mac- McIntyre I think, is one, I think. Yeah, I think Orton will be one. I think McIntyre will be one. Corbin? Mm, I, Corbin's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? It's hard to, for me to, to like, judge how the company see him right now. Is he now in the doghouse or not? Basically, he's like yeah. he's been in the championship eliminator. Uh, he's still getting TV time. Like it's it's a funny one. I mean, obviously, it's his whole arc since he won that Money in the Bank briefcase. Like goodness me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they like to throw out the comedy entrance in those late spots as well. Let's hope we don't get any comedy entrance like that. Well, uh, yeah, quite absolutely. But you know, you know where they go for the whole. Um, he's only been in there for one second, or or whatever. Um, yeah, Titus O'Neil looks like somebody that might get that. Yeah, so someone like that. But I think I think Orton and McIntyre both are big big locks for for late. Num- I'd be surprised yeah. if either one of them got an early number. What was this? What was it, what's meant to be the lucky one? Twenty seven. 27 uh, is the one with the most. Yeah. Well, I, d- I don't even know if that fact's still true at this point, but it has for a long time been the one with it the was most like, winners. It, it, it was for a long time, and then nobody won it from there for ages, and then suddenly somebody did again. I can't quite remember who. Um, but yeah, quite quite interesting. I mean, it might have been Orton. <laughs> it might have been Orton in 2017. Oh. 
Let's, let's not talk about, about Rousey Orson and Royal Rumbles anymore than we need to. Um, <laughs> maybe you'll bring I found the... a new way to I found a new way to torture <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll bring the screwdriver with it. <laughs> but you know, the thing is is that obviously we talk a lot about about how offensive Cena's late WWE run has been. I find Orton's just as offensive, I have to oh, say. Oh absolutely, absolutely. So do I. Orton was twenty third in two thousand seventeen. Oh, uh, there we go. That's a Royal Rumble I can't ever see myself rewatching, quite honestly. Um, there hasn't been. No one's won it. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Austin was the last one to win from 27 in 2001. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, they spread yeah. it around a bit. It's funny because obviously, like, they can't stop themselves now because the Rumble has been going on for so long. They can't. It's like at one time, those kind of like, oh, Rumble by the numbers stuff. It was it used to be quite cool, and now it's a bit like, they're going to say the same crap year yeah, after year. It's, it's it's done a disservice to the Rumble um, as well because um, you know it's 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 led them down the path of no longer doing story driven Rumble matches. You know, you go you go back over some of the best Rumbles and they were always kind of fueled by two or three different kind of or even just one big storyline. You know, whether it's Austin being a marked man in '98. Or you know the the Austin versus McMahon thing in '99, or Bret Hart's injury in '94, and and uh, Mr. Fuji targeting Luger in '94, or you know Bob Backlund's uh, kind of underdog comeback story, like you know DiBiase by number 13, 88. Oh, that kind of touch is just gone now because they just go, oh, it's about the numbers. Um, I mean, the, the the adverts they've been running on the network have been describing the Rumble as. Uh, the the rumbles this year is two of the most anything can happen matches in history. <laughs> one in elegant phrase. Oh my it turns God. out twenty seven is still the one with the most winners. Eighty nine, ninety three, ninety four, and a one. But thirty and twenty four now both have three winners. It's funny because that used to be the big joke, didn't it? Nobody like thirty was meant to be the big advantage, but nobody won from thirty. Yeah. And then Quite. suddenly, who was the first person to win from thirty? It would have been The Undertaker. I thought so. I was about to say that, then yeah. I doubted myself. Um, okay. So we've also <laughs> we've on. also had one winner from the number forty-one position at the Greatest Royal Rumble. That doesn't count. Okay, we, we won't count that. <laughs> it's like imagine if there was a Greatest Rumble too. Like just just that, just no, know no thank you. What's funny is oh no, I thought. I mean, Daniel Bryan's longevity record at one hour six, one hour sixteen minutes. <laughs> just insane isn't it oh my god although given the length of WWE pay-per-views it, it can only be <laughs> it can only be so long until we get a two-hour rumble entrance absolutely okay so um if seth can wrestle a corner match for an hour and five minutes or whatever the hell it was then I was going to say it'd be Brock Lesnar doing Suplex City for two hours, won't it? No, and all. Well, do you remember me and you on a prediction show predicted that Lesnar for sixteen would go coast to coast and win the and the win the Rumble and break Absolutely. the eliminations record? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, do you know what I realised the other day though is that um, in t- when I was doing my research for the column series, is actually Wyatt and Rusev in twenty fifteen when they kind of teamed up, they got twelve eliminations between the two of them. Um, and it was done a lot more naturalistically than than when they kind of forced Reigns to break yes. the record the, the year before. And I just thought that's really cool that Wyatt and Rusev would be able to to boast that between them. Definitely. I mean, it's funny because I watched um, O1 the other night as well, right? And Kane. What's great about Kane's performance there is it is again it's very natural because the reason he gets so many 
is because basically he cleans out the entire hardcore division early on in the match. And then if the rest of his eliminations come kind of, you know, like fairly gradually, really. Um, and so you never really, I mean, you don't really notice that Kane's eliminated that many people until the end where it's like, he's been in the match for this amount of time and he's eliminated this people. He's like, how many? Um so, yeah. yeah, well, that's it. You know, it wasn't forced. I mean, it was typical WWE that they'd want to break the record, and it was typical WWE that they'd do it in a really awkward fashion with, like, Reigns eliminate JBL and, like, and, uh, you know, the the little... Um, the spot where he gets rid of Rollins and Ambrose at the same time. Yeah, and it's just like that. But the, the, the other thing I'd say is, as cool as it is that Wyatt and Rusev can boast they got 12 eliminations between them in, in 2015. In 2014, because this was part of my research as well, collectively the shield eliminated 18 people there you go pretty much almost the you know i mean that's the vast percentage of their opponents obviously that's only 11 guys weren't eliminated by them 2000 pretty, pretty awesome yeah early 2014 shield was was something else man. absolutely um okay so what about final four final four that's a good that's a good one uh although sometimes it's funny actually because it like people always think final four i guess maybe because because of going all that to 97, but like sometimes they kind of set it up more like a final three or more like a final six. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. That does tend to shift, doesn't it? But yeah. um, I will go Rollins, McIntyre, Rollins, McIntyre, Lashley, Mysterio. Oh. I know, right? But, but I'm just thinking, what would they do? Do you know what I mean? Because mm. again, Lashley, some of the high match will come out pretty late. That's a good call, actually. Yeah, I could see him being a 28 or a 29, thinking about it, just because they probably think he's not got the cardio. Oh my god! What about this, right? Ray Mysterio, number 30 again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's so it's so funny when you watch 2014 back because now that you know it's coming, it's like everyone wanted Daniel Bryan so much, and it's like it's bad enough that it wasn't him. But of all the people you picked to not be him instead, it's Rey Mysterio. There's just uh, something more comical uh, about uh, that. At the point of, of like where people were the most apathetic about him. I don't forget Shinobi's um, tweet that night as well. He, he was like, Rey Mysterio is about to turn heel. Cause it was like, this is the, <laughs> clock, the clock was counting down. <laughs> um, final four. I, I'll go Rollins. Uh, I will say Orton. Uh, I will say I'm putting my I'm going all in, man. I, I'll say Ali, uh, and I will say Drew. Drew feels a bit obvious to me, though. I don't know. I've got a funny feeling Cena's going to be in it, and him and Drew are going to set up a WrestleMania feud. What maybe do the Michaels angle thing? Something like that, maybe. Yeah. Or Michaels Jericho thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not Drew. I'm going to say I'm going to say Rollins. Who did I say? Rollins, Ali, Orton, and Strowman. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, assuming Strowman does beat up our troop. Um, awesome. Well, okay, so I guess that we're both going to say Rollins to win. I'm not going to say who I want to win because I'm a bit of a superstitious guy and I don't want to tempt fate, but the person who everyone knows I want to win is the person I think will win. Yes, I think we can agree on that. Okay, so all remains, guys, to say enjoy the Royal Rumble weekend. Enjoy TakeOver. Um, if anyone listening is actually going to the show, then like I hope you have the, uh, the best time. It must be amazing to see a Rumble live. Um, and then for all I of bet, us... I bet it absolutely flies by. It fly, It's weird when you watch them live because they just disappear on you and then you sort of... Yeah, it's like you're... You, you, it feels like you've been watching it 10 minutes and you're already at number 28. 
Well, I think when I, I remember when I was a kid, um, you know, like watching the 90s ones growing up, it was always like, you know, two days before you could get hold of the VHS of the thing, mm-hmm. like with your mate that tapes it from Sky. So you had to wait for your mate to watch it off his tape first and then him pass it to you. You know, like, and you'd have, you'd have to sort of like offer some sort of bribe to get it for the other people that wanted it off him, <laughs> and then you finally get it. You know, and then you have to watch your, you know, wait for your dad to watch like fucking Countdown or something, and then uh, <laughs> and then you'd finally get to watch it, and and it was just that anticipation of like, you know, not knowing who won and going through the undercard, waiting for the rumble to happen, and then the rumble, you know, the rumble actually kind of it's now time for the Royal Rumble and Fink and the whole, just the whole setup of the thing was just so magical. And I think the fact that I don't still don't get to watch them live. I think the only ones that I have watched live uh, in recent times is 13, 13, 14, 15. I all, I watched all three of those live like year, you know, sort of year on year. And then since then I've not watched one live. And I think that anticipation of not getting to see it till the next day, it still is. It's so nostalgic to me that, I think I much prefer it, strangely. Mm. I can understand that. I mean, I don't think I'd be... My issue is I wouldn't be able to resist the spoilers. Um, Because, you know, even though, especially the Royal Rumble, you know, it kind of does spoil it for you, but I get so giddy around Royal Rumbles. Um, I I mean, since 2000, every year since 2009, I've obviously I work a different type of job than you do, so I'm able to kind of make the time to be able to stay open live but i remember 2009 was like one of the first probably the first one i ever did stay up and watch live actually when i was at university and i had such a blast i had to uh find shall we say another way of watching it and i remember uh, i i what the side i was watching through went down like as they got to like the last sort of five minutes of the match and in a in a panic i found the first stream i could and so i watched the end of the match live in spanish with the spanish commentary which somehow made it feel all the more dramatic. I bet it did. Good old, good old, good old Carlos Cabrera. Um, you should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. If JR's in the Hall of Fame, Carlos Cabrera, who feels like he hasn't missed a single WWE show since like the dawn of time, should definitely be in that Hall of Fame. I had a really weird experience uh, a, a kind of a year ago or so ago. It was like a 1997, one of those roars that, were in, that was in Germany. And they panned oh, yeah. round the German announcer team, and the, there is none other than Carsten Schaefer, but, oh, really? but, but twenty years younger. Fantastic! <laughs> like it was just like, oh my god, that dude's as long lived as the other ones. Like fantastic. <laughs> uh, German Michael Cole. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good times. All right, guys. So, um, and you know, we are excited as you can tell. So, hope you are too. Um, hope the new era really is not a full storm. So enjoy Royal Rumble, and we'll catch you on the flip side. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Bye.